that's why I love relationship diversity and this idea, because even though I was open in that 18 month relationship and then from priorities and desires and needs closed it. And then from shifting, evolving and growing and having different priorities opened it up. It's like every stage fed each other. I learned things that helped every single chapter of my life. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from all over the world to hear their personal journeys of self-discovery through the lenses of love, sex, and relationships. Our mission is to show people that they're not alone and to inspire them to embrace their true selves so that together we can open minds and live authentically without shame. We believe everyone's story is powerful and beautiful, yet it's important to remember that everyone does life a little bit differently and that the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we aren't doctors. Please consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Welcome to episode 324. We're Finn and Emma, and today we have a beautiful conversation with Carrie. At its core, the conversation today is about how to live intentionally, designing relationships, co-creating relationships that really work for you. It's an absolutely beautiful conversation. Yeah, I think you you nailed it. I'm at the core. That's what this conversation is about. And and I'm actually going to jump over to Carrie's website, and we'll talk about her work in a second, but there's three bullet points on her website that I think are worth stealing because it is really how this conversation goes. And so answering the questions, who am I? What do I really want in my relationships? And what kind of relationship structure is the expression of my unique self? Again, I stole those straight from her website, and that's sort of what she does on her podcast, the Relationship Diversity Podcast, and stuff that she writes about in her books, and and just all of her work focuses on this, and it is absolutely incredible work, and we highly recommend you head over and check out all of her work on her website. Links are in the show notes, but I know I thought that was like the best way to frame what we talk about today because I feel like she actually takes us through basically her entire life from age 12 until today, answering these questions of who she is and how she got to be in the relationships and in the place she is today. And again, it is a beautiful conversation and a beautiful story. Yes. If you can't tell, we are excited to get this out there. Thank you again, Carrie, for everything that you shared and for all of the amazing work that you do as well. We hope to send lots of people your way. So everyone listening, listen to the interview and then go check out all of Carrie's work on her website. And with that, we'll jump right into the interview for anyone who is a premium subscriber And for everyone else, we're going to go through our announcements. First up, if you're not familiar with the premium subscription, it's a way to skip these announcements up front, jump right into the interview, but don't worry, you still get important dates in the outro. To sign up, go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, scroll down on the homepage and sign up right there. And one of those really important dates that that you do not want to miss is this Friday. This Friday, January 26th, we have our first virtual meet and greet of 2024. I'm going to say hands down, best virtual meet and greet of the year to date. Uh, Yeah. Without a doubt. So come join us and help us make it the best virtual meet and greet ever. Maybe you could help us make it the best one of the whole year. Yes. Let's get this year started off right. So to find out more, head over to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. You can click anywhere you want on there, but the best place would be the banner at the top or under the events tab. You'll find out all the information of how to join us. We will see you Friday evening. Next up, we had a community retreat last weekend in Atlanta. You've heard us talk about it. This was specific to the community and it was incredible. We actually, it's it's hard to put words to what the weekend meant to both of us and to everyone there. Yeah, we're, we're not even going to try to put a ton of words to it, but what we will say is there will be much more coming about this. We will probably follow up with you all about this, but if you're thinking, damn it, I wish I had been there, I hope they do this again. Well, that was one of the big takeaways that we we took away. That's why it's a takeaway. We took it away. <laughs> and that is, we need to do more of these. We did one last year and we did another one this year. And our goal is to do another one this year in the Bay Area, probably later this fall, later this fall, late summer, early fall, somewhere in there. So keep your ears peeled. And really the best way to find out about this is to join the community because you get to know all of the people virtually, and then you get to meet them in real life. And 
I'm not even going to be humble. We blew people's minds. Yes. Or people's minds were blown. I I don't know that we did it, but it was a a group effort, a group effort. And the community is only $5 a month to join. So join now, get to know everybody, and then you can come and meet people in person. And if you don't believe us that these people are amazing, the people who come, well, let me just tell you one of those amazing people who was there was the the person we're talking to in just a few minutes. That's true. Carrie was there, came with a partner, and absolutely amazing. So, yes. Yeah. I'm I'm just going to rave one more time. It was amazing. And we hope to see you all at the next one. To sign up, go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, click on the community tab, and you can find out all of the information right there. And the last thing we wanted to tell you before the other last thing we want to tell you is... (laughs) Way to, way, to, way to get them excited. <laughs> is to head over to our website, click on the resources tab or in your podcast player show notes. You will see a links for stdcheck.com. This is MNI's favorite way to get tested for STIs. We absolutely love this service. That's why we've been telling you about it for years. This year is no different. Please go check it out. You'll save yourself $10 when you use the links on our website. It also helps support the podcast, which we are eternally grateful to you for. So thank you in advance for supporting us and supporting yourself in being a well-informed sexual health advocate. Yes. We're going to get badges made. To send out to everyone? Only the people who use the links. (laughs) I was like, be careful what you promise here. (laughs) But yes. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) And that last, last thing was to send us an email, send us a voicemail. We would love to hear from you. We would love to have you come on the show. You don't have to be a best-selling author or a podcaster or anything. You just have to be you and want to come on. So And share your story. Share your story. You kind of have to be willing to share your story. That's the one requirement. It is. But you can also send us a question for our Ask Us Anything episodes. Yes, you can. And the next episode of Ask Us Anything is coming out this Friday. That's the 26th of January. So we will see you then. We'll see you doubly on Friday. Ask Us Anything and virtual meet and greet. Woohoo! That's a hell of a Friday. It is. It is. I should probably get ready for this Friday. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, probably. <laughs> All right. With that, we are going to head into the episode. We will see all of you on the other side. Let's go. Let's go. Welcome to the podcast, Carrie. We're so excited to have you here today and get to know you a little bit better. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you. I'm really honored to be here because this was one of the first non-monogamy podcasts that I listened to in the second chapter of my non-monogamy journey. And so it was, this is a really important podcast for me in my history. So thank you for having me on. I love it. That's amazing. It's, it is always fun when it comes full circle and people get to start their journey listening to us and then share it years or decades. Yeah. Well, not decades. No, someday, someday, someday. (laughs) I was like, how long have we been doing this? Well, it feels like half half a decade, half a decade. In non-monogamy years, it feels like decades, I think. That's true. true. (laughs) Half a decade. That's totally fine. That's fine. That's accurate. So, all right. Well, welcome, Carrie. Do you mind introducing yourself for all of us? And then we get to go back to chapter one of your Mm non-monogamy journey. Yes. So I'm Carrie. I'm a best-selling author, intuitive, relationship diversity advocate, and coach. And I'm also the host of the Relationship Diversity Podcast, where I celebrate and explore all aspects of relationship structure diversity, from soloamory to monogamy to polyamory and everything in between. So I believe that every relationship is as unique as you are. And I love helping people bust through societal programming, familial, cultural programming to help them look at who they really are and what they want in their relationship in any given chapter of their lives. I love it. That's amazing. That's amazing. And we'll give you for sure more time to chat about your book or books and your podcast and all of the work at once people get to know you a little bit better, but let's go to chapter one of your story. Before before that, I'm going to actually interrupt. What is your relationship constellation today? Yes. So currently I am in a polyamorous relationship. I have my husband of 17 years 
we share a home together, we have children, we have businesses, and I also have another partner and he has another partner that live between 40 minutes and an hour and a half away from us. I would say that we are kitchen table poly. We're all friends. We all really care for each other and really love each other and probably would spend more time together if we were closer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I love awesome. that. Can we go back? And now we can go back. I've been so excited to go back to chapter two. Now we're back at the, like the, the prelogue. <laughs> yeah, sure. The preface, let's, the let's preface. Go. Where did non-monogamy first enter your life, Carrie? Well, I'm going to go back farther than maybe you were thinking, but I'm going to go back to 12 years old. And it's not that I was in a polyamorous relationship when I was 12 years old, but really my relationship story starts then because well, six months before that, my parents, we were, you know, I have three brothers. There were four of us. Everything seemed perfect and wonderful in my family life. And then at 12 years old, the shit hit the fan and it came out that my father was having an affair with a family friend and everything changed. And as a young preteen, that was really when I was building my relationship understanding and where all the programs were starting to, you know, build and grow. And so all through high school and college, I never really dated. But when I did, the guy always broke up with me. He always broke up with me. And so I did a lot of work. I moved to New York City. And that was the time in the early 90s. I'm going to date myself. Um, but that was the time the internet was not huge then. I had to go seek things And I went on a big personal quest, kind of a spiritual journey, where I started to understand why I always had the same relationship experience over and over again. And I got into yoga and astrology and, you know, learning about intuitive readings and all kinds of things that were non-physical. I did a lot of healing, and that brought me to my first husband. He was an intuitive healer in California. We got together super quickly. We were married. We were in a traditional monogamous relationship. And there were so many things that were beautiful about that, that I could see like, oh, I've done all this healing to bring this person into my life. And we were together six years. We had a beautiful friendship, but we were not lovers. And we realized after about six years, well, he was the one that came to me. He's like, I think we could do better. I think we could have it all. So there again, I was broken up with and it was pretty devastating. And at that point, I kind of hit a fork in the road and I knew that I need to figure this out of what's going on. You know, just like, what are the beliefs that are creating this? I did some deep, deep healing with a non-traditional healer. Within three months, everything changed. I was now close with my dad. I was calling in, like, I was just meeting very different men. That's the point where I met a man backstage at the show that I was directing. We fell pretty instantly for each other. We were both going through divorce. We were both kind of on this spiritual journey of understanding, like, what led us to this life. He had confided in me that he had cheated on his wife for most of their marriage. Now, the me before the healing would have run a million miles away, but I decided that I actually wanted to rewrite my story. And so I said to him, I want to be in relationship with you, but we don't need to be exclusive. And this was in 2004. So I don't really even remember hearing about like open relationship. I didn't really even know. I just knew that I wanted to take control of my story. I wanted to develop a relationship with him, but I didn't want lying. And that was my priority. So I said, you know, you are, you are fine to go with, be with other women. Just tell me about it. And then I'm open to do the same. And so that was about an 18 month relationship. I learned a lot. It was really challenging. It was really, really challenging. I was with a few different men. He was with a few different women. After about 18 months, I reconnected with someone I had known in the company that I worked with. He had moved to where I was then, Las Vegas, and we fell in love. And that was like, okay, that relationship, I'm complete with that 18-month relationship. And it worked for him. He was having to move back to LA. 
And then my husband and I went into, well, the man, Lewis, who is now my husband, we went into a relationship. I was in my er mid thirties. We were like, we're going to do the marriage thing. But there was always this um, agreement with us that we are not going to follow societal cultural programming. Like we're going to question everything and we are going to decide what we want to do that works well for us. At that point in the beginning, that was monogamy because we wanted to start a family. I was 36. We like knew we needed to start a family right away. And we had a child and then another child. And so we had two children and we just always came back to like, do we want to do, do we want to open our relationship is now the time. And we kept saying, no, 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 no. He kept saying, but I still really want to do this. So there was like one time in 2018, it was like around when you all started your podcast. And I was just, I just kind of had this like moment where I knew that if we didn't try it, and if I didn't come to the place where it was like in this structure of a more, you know, secure family unit, which was very different than my other open relationship, that, that we would regret it, that we just had to just try it, but how do we do it? So I just kind of put it away. And then at the beginning of 2020, a man walked into my life and I was like, holy moly, oh my God, what is this? And within a couple months, I went to my husband and I said, I'm really fallen for this guy. And I knew nothing had happened. And I was like, I don't know what to do with this, with these feelings. And he's like, I want you, you should go talk to him. So that started that part of the relationship. And that was almost four years ago. Wow. Quite the journey. We have a million questions. Okay. <laughs> I, I know that was long, but... but no, <laughs> no, I love it. It was wonderfully said and shared, so... Yeah, I love that. I love that you... And we've heard this a handful of times where people are like, we're going to do this thing. We don't have a name for it. We don't have any... There's no... We didn't read any books. We just... We're just going to do it. And I love that, that you and the first person you met that you kind of negotiated, you're like, look... The cheating, yeah, okay, that I don't want cheating, but I'm okay with the rest. And I think mm -hmm. that's like that's a huge hurdle. Like you said, you'd have gone running for the hills, but you you obviously took that in in a different way. Yeah, it was empowering. It really was. And again, like I said, it was a way of me rewriting my story and saying, I'm not that little 12-year-old girl anymore. I am a woman who has my own needs and who, because, but I had to do that healing work before. And that was a real coming together with my father. Like I had never had before. I, you know, and he said things that I wanted him to say to me when I was 12, 15, 20 years old. And when I did the internal healing, he didn't even know anything about it. It would just shifted the dynamic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. To, to see his infidelity in a different light. I think I had so much more perspective being married that I just could never have. You know, they were, I think my parents were put on pedestals like most parents are. And I just had no understanding about what a relationship would merit, which go, what goes into a marriage. I had a lot of judgments about his behavior. And also I felt very protective of my mom as the victim. And I have that in air quotes because that was just how it was all looked to me when I was very young. And so having gone through a marriage and understanding like, okay, like even that was six years. And now my marriage here is like almost, you know, 17 years. You really start to understand that there's more to it than maybe I saw at 12 years old. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And that you can really dig in and understand what what your parents were going through in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. And as an adult, talking to my mom and my dad and asking questions from an adult perspective, I learned a whole, just so much about what I didn't know. Yeah. 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 I love that. And I'm curious how that, that first go around, you said it lasted about 18 months. Like what did it look like and, and how did it go? And maybe what did you take away from that? That, I mean, you were able to put it in the back burner then for a number of years, but sort of what did that first, that first chapter look like? 
Yeah, gosh. That was really challenging because so that boyfriend had had a a varied past in the rock world. So he was around a lot of, you know, what people think rock stars are around. And I struggled with my body image with him because I didn't have the body that he was really attracted to. And I also think that in my first marriage, I was very scared about communicating because what I saw with my parents was like no fighting and everything seemed to be perfect. And then war and yelling, and then there was a divorce. And so I, that, the way that my brain kind of processed that was any time that there was an argument, that meant that we were going to break up. And so, um, what I learned from my relationship with this 18, in this 18 months was about communication, that I could have an argument or I could have a disagreement and it doesn't mean that we're going to break up. Like I learned how to, in the open relationship taught me how to be honest with what I'm feeling, how to communicate what's going on, how to communicate what feels good and what doesn't feel good, how to express, you know, how I felt when he would come home and he said, I was with this woman and I could learn what, how that made me feel and how to express it. So communication was like the big thing that I learned in that relationship, which brought me to my next marriage because I don't think I could have been in the marriage that I'm in right now without the relation, without the communication skills that I learned from that 18 months of being open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Like you, you need, you need that experience. You need that that experience of learning those skills. And like you said, it's not easy. No, and I don't have it all figured out even now. So. Exactly, it's a constant learning Just process, right? <laughs> yeah. but it helped. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love that. It's, it was almost like you had a, I don't want to say a dry run, but you kind of got, you got to do it. And then you got to almost go back into, you know, non-monogamy hibernation for, for a while, do the, maybe what everybody thinks you should do, have the, you know, build the nuclear family and then revisit it with sort of like, you get to pull that, that book out of the bookshelf and dust it off and be like, Hey, where these skills still exist. And I would, I also would imagine you brought him into your monogamous partnership. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. And what I, you know, if you, when I look about, when I look at like, you know, the whole kind of, I guess it's 20 some years now, almost 20 years. I, I love to look at just the chapters and priorities of my life. That's why I love relationship diversity and this idea because even though I was open in that 18 month relationship and then from priorities and desires and needs closed it. And then from shifting, evolving and growing and having different priorities opened it up. It's like every stage fed each other. I learned things that helped every single chapter of my life. And you know, what I'm proud of myself for the most part is that I'm was aware of like, who am I now and what do I want now? I had to be pushed a little bit. I really like in my current marriage, I probably could have been monogamous and just made it work, but I'm experiencing, but because like my husband really wanted to explore it because he had never had the experience, it has kind of pushed me to have like a, like a wildly fulfilling relationship experience. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and and I'm sorry if I missed it. Did did you and 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 Lewis did you two talk about non monogamy when you first got together? And definitely, then, definitely. Okay. In fact, um, I had a really good friend who who had a talk with him. Before, I wasn't there, and it's like you know she's in an open relationship. Like I know you guys like each other. I know you, <laughs> and and it's interesting because he and I had been in in the same company. So we knew each other since 1998, but when we, when he moved to Vegas in 20, in 2005 and I was, you know, we kind of like reconnected, I swear he, he hugged me in his arms and it was like, okay, I know there's something here. And so in the first part, like I was still seeing the other guy 
And we would just go for walks for hours with my dogs and these Vegas huge dog parks and talk about non-monogamy and talk about relationships. And he had just gone through a divorce and it was really hard for him. And so we had so many deep conversations about like just wanting to do things our way. And I, and we really felt like if we were to get together, that that would include at some point, some kind of non-monogamy journey. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. You, yeah. Cause you had said that you had decided you were not going to do things, you know, the same way everybody else does. But I, I wasn't sure if he had knowledge or if, you know, when you came to him, you're like, yeah, I'm interested in this other guy's like, Oh, let's do non-monogamy. You're like, Oh, well that's a perfect match. Look at us. <laughs> <laughs> right. He, 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 you know, he even was open to that in his first marriage and it just didn't work out. So it was something he really wanted to explore and, you know, ha- understand what what that's all about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it sounds like, too, like you, I love that you two had those conversations before you even really defined your relationship, like in the very beginning and had those deep, you know, emotional conversations about all that. Like, well, this is, this is what I'd like and this is where I'm at. And, you know, but then you, you decided to really focus on your relationship and in some ways build that secure foundation with each other and then tr- but each trust that eventually you'll have an opportunity to explore like that could be really hard to trust if like no I want it now it's totally hard and I will tell you there were moments where it was like we got we got to do this like we're getting into our late 40s now are we going to do this and it was like I don't know I don't think it's time yet so there were those sticky moments that you talk about where it's like we we should do this well but I'm I'm not ready and a lot of that was you know I had postpartum depression after my first son and it was a really hard birth and the baby phase is not my strongest and more or, and most enjoyed phase of childhood, you know, of raising children. And so I was so lost until at least, you know, my kids were maybe seven and three, that there's just no way I could even emotionally regulate my life to bring something like that in. Yeah. 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 And knowing that, like being aware of that and being, and setting those limits of say, no, I'm not, ready yet, but that's not a no forever. I, and I, I will get there. I'm doing the work to get there, but this is where I need my focus to be and, and to work with your husband on that and work together on that. Yeah. And it wasn't always that beautiful. Yeah. Right. I understand. We're all humans. and <laughs> It was pretty icky at some points, but you know, whatever the hormones. <laughs> <laughs> It just shows that we're all human. (laughs) Well, and I mean, without digging into all of your dirty laundry, I'm curious, like some of the the icky parts did that. Because I I mean, hmm, I'm trying to think about this, this gap of from non-monogamy, monogamy back to non-monogamy. And this isn't to say that non-monogamy is better and you have to be striving for it. And we're, you were, you were more evolved and then you devolved for a while, but you were just in different phases. But I'm, I'm curious that throughout that, did you feel that pull or did it come up from his side? Cause it sounds like he was also sort of interested or quite interested in having some of these experiences or did it just really kind of go, just kind of go away for a while? I think it went away for a while because of time restriction, you know, just time and emotional, just bandwidth. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, my husband is pretty amazing in that he always wants to be learning and growing. So, you know, he was working full-time at Blue Man Group. He was also getting his helicopter pilot's license and getting a Bachelor of Science degree. And, you know, I was taking care of a very spirited little boy and uh, also doing a coaching business and energy healing and massage as much as I could. And we were just like doing too much. It was just overloaded. So I think just, but we knew we always wanted to do it. So it was just kind of like in the background Uh of like, when will be the right time? And it really had to do with, I think where I was, because I just couldn't handle 
I just didn't feel like I had a life outside of raising kids. And I just couldn't, like, I didn't even feel sexy or like a woman. I just felt like a mom who was merely surviving mm-hmm. and barely at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's does not feel like the right time to, <laughs> to try to open your marriage as well. <laughs> no, I wouldn't rec- Well, it didn't work for us. I don't know. Maybe it might work for some people, but I'm sure, I'm sure that there, yeah, there are definitely people out there that I'm sure it works, but yeah. <laughs> and, and so you, you come back home one day and you're like, Hey, there's yeah. this, there's this person I'm, I'm falling or I've fallen. And, and Lewis is like, okay, let's do this. But those are great things to say. How did you two actually, what did it look like? Oh, it was so terrifying. <laughs> I just kind of like think back and like viscerally remember that moment where, you know, I told him that how I felt and he was like, okay, let's just go for it. And then it was like, okay, now I got to tell him, I got to tell this other guy how I feel. And I'm so scared. And he was married at the time. And I didn't know, like, I knew that they were kind of into alternative healing modalities. And this guy was a massage therapist. So we started trading together just as friends. And, um, and, and so we were hanging out, it was like right at the beginning of COVID. So there was like that whole added thing of like, Mm -hmm. we want to do a massage trade, but have you been safe? Who have you been around? You know, all that kind of stuff. And so I just told him one day I wanted to talk to him. And I just remember sitting in our little massage room and telling him kind of the whole story that I told, I just told you and how I, have feelings for him and I don't know what to do with it. And I just felt like I needed to tell him. And he was, you know, he, he had felt the same way and, oh God, that just didn't just, just like, it was, it was so scary and it was such a long process because there were a lot of conversations with his wife and, you know, everything was open and I wanted everything to be open. I was like, I'm not, engaging with you until everyone knows. And it's not like he ever wanted to hide. It was just like a scary thing, you know, to bring up like with his wife and, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, and they had talked about it before. So it wasn't completely out of the blue, but they weren't in the best place in their relationship. So anyway, it was a really long, long journey of me having conversations with her alone and, conversations with him and a lot of talking before mm-hmm. the actual like launching of it. When you say a lot, are we like days, months? Um, we're I'm probably just curious for talking, people to give a little perspective. That's all. <laughs> yeah. We're probably talking two months maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Of continual conversation and moments of this isn't going to happen. Oh, wait, it might happen. This is not going to happen. Oh, wait, it might happen. You know, and then, you know, Lewis hadn't really met anyone. So there was like that dynamic as well. Uh-huh. And COVID. And there, there's another yeah. dynamic. <laughs> oh, that little thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which I, like makes it even harder for a Lewis to meet anybody too, for anybody to meet anybody. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. And then, you know, the kids were home. We were homeschooling, which was really hard for me. It's like, I absolutely love my kids, but they are better in school. And they would say that, and I would say that. And so there was a lot going on during that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I appreciate you sharing. Like, I asked about the timeline because I think there's, uh, right, some people are like, yeah, we talked for a long time. And then you're like, oh, well, how long? Was-? Oh, it was like two days. And you're like, whoa, okay, that's that's pretty fast. <laughs> so I just like for for some perspective on what what going slow looked like and and I think what's interesting too about it for me, Carrie, is that y- you arrived at this conversation with, I don't want to say a mission, but you had a person in mind you were interested in, and the train had sort of left the station in some ways for you, and then everybody's sort of playing catch up. And that's that's a different place to land than, hey, I'm interested in this, there's nothing happening, but like, what do we, do you want to start talking about it? And so you you almost turbocharge the, the, the jumping off point. Yeah. Yeah. It felt like that. 
And at the same time, it also, with all the conversations, it felt like it was moving slowly. Mm-hmm. You know, like I would have conversations with his wife, like for four hours, four or five hours, where we would just talk through a lot because I wanted to honor her and honor their relationship. And again, I didn't want to do anything. I, I told her all the time, I, I want this to be an open thing. If this is not something that you can get to, then I have to just respect that and not move forward. But it just kind of kept moving forward slowly, slowly, slowly. And, you know, she was questioning their relationship. And so was he, I think, to a certain extent that, you know, they had been kind of in a tricky place for a little while. And I think that this actually catapulted them to really question what do they want and what's working and what's not working. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so how did that go when you first, like, you did the first few months of talking and talking. And then when you actually started the relationship, how did that go? Oh, well, and I should say you had a relationship before. It just wasn't like yeah. you hadn't, I didn't, I don't want to downgrade. The rubber, the rubber meets the road. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that part was so hard, Emma. I just was, it was, I have journals of just like so many times you know, going one step like, oh, we've kissed. Okay. Come home, talk about it. How did that feel? You know, oh, we've gone a little bit further. You know, there was such a magnetism between me and my other partner that I cannot explain because it was very energetic. You know, I'm an intuitive and I even felt things that I'm like, I don't even know what I'm feeling. And, and, and I, didn't have, like, I was talking to him, the other guy, I was talking to him, but I wasn't like in continual contact with him every day because they were going through their thing. And so we would catch, you know, conversations here and there in between times that we'd see each other, we'd see each other maybe every couple weeks, but I would feel these things. Like we're very psychically connected, which is perfect for our, our dynamic. Um, and so there was a lot of like energy going on in my body that was very overwhelming. And, and there were moments where they were like close to deciding, like, we can't do this. This is like really not working for our relationship. And so it seemed like we'd stop. And it was such a yo-yo, such a yo-yo of emotions. And it really wasn't until October of 2021 when they decided like we want to separate and she wanted to be living independently. And that was really important to her. And it wasn't until then that we kind of started to then get into a rhythm. By that point, my husband had met someone and they were, and I loved her. She was just like, so such a perfect fit for him, but then a perfect fit, you know, kind of for the four of us. And then it started to get to more of a rhythm where we were seeing each other more regularly, maybe, you know, once a week, once every other week, depending on travel schedules, because he traveled a lot. And that's when we started to get into a rhythm. That's when it started to feel good. And right now we're at like this super sweet spot. And I'm just like enjoying the sweet spot because I don't know, you know, how long, but it's just super sweet right now. Yeah. Let me just hold on to this. I don't know what's going to happen, but this is, yeah. Enjoy it. Enjoy the ride. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I love that um, you found that stride, but it took over a year, a year and a half. It really did. And it took several times of me saying like, this is not working for me. This is too much. I can't handle this. Let's stop. And then, you know, he would kind of come in and say, no, I, I don't want to stop. I, I'm, we're going to figure this out. It's really uncomfortable right now, but just stick with me. And so there was a lot of very uncomfortable feelings, just uncertainty was the main thing. And we just kind of kept, you know, showing up and doing the work. Yeah. Yeah. And how did the first you know, year and a half go in that you talked about how it went with your um, other partner, but how did it go with your husband? Ups and downs there too, for sure. Especially because Lewis didn't have someone for the first year. 
there was a lot that he was dealing with, with me going off and having this experience and, and, you know, having these like energy bursts of, you know, new art, NRE, new relationship energy, but then also, you know, this kind of like really big dips of, I don't know what's going on. So it was hard for him to watch me go through that. It was, he was really scared because if you think about it, the open relationship that I had at first, I met him and then I was like, okay, I'm done with that. So that was kind of my history. He was really nervous about that. And so it took me continually coming back and saying, no, I love our life. I love our family. I don't want to go anywhere. And I knew enough to know, like the time I spend with my other partner, John is his name. And the time I spent with him was like this beautiful bubble, but it also wasn't fully reality, you know? So I couldn't say like, oh, when I go and spend time with John, it's just like this most amazing thing. And why isn't my marriage like that? Like, it's just, there's, you just, I just could not compare the two. I knew that they were vastly different circumstances. And so I would always come back to him and say, no, I love our family. Like I'm so in love with our family. I'm so in love with our life. I'm so in love with us and how we, how we co-create our life together. I don't want that to go away. And so I think it took a lot of assuring him. And then when he met his, you know, his other partner, he, he needed to reassure me that as well, because there's a really strong, he's, he's a very like mental, very smart person. And she is that as well. And they really come together in that way. And that's not where I meet him. Um, <laughs> it's not my strength and not my interest. And so I had to like be reassured as well. So I, that was kind of that journey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that you say that Carrie, because I think that there's a few times in there where there's the I think often the pull to make the to make multiple things the same, right? The new partner, well, this sh- it's not fair if I just see this person and it's a vacation, like it, where we make these. I mean, we've we've done this, right? We say that, like, well, it's not we can't compare them. It's not fair. So we should be doing more of the hard stuff with other people, or we should bring more of the easy stuff in, and we need to make these two very different things look as close as possible. And I love that you were able to early on draw that distinction and say, this thing with John, like it's amazing. It's deep. It's real. It's not, you're not saying it's fake, but it's definitely different. I'm not building a home. I'm not building a business. I'm not building a family. Right. And we don't have all of those, you know, parts, like seriously, the amount of like, you know, balls that we have in the air, Lewis and I is pretty crazy. And our boys are like so important to us. And especially because like, I always have, I've always wanted boys because I want to help to rewrite the, you know, masculine narrative Other, they can be whatever identity that they want. They are currently, you know, identifying as boys and, I really wanted to raise conscious, aware, compassionate boys into men that know how to communicate and, you know, express feelings. And so we take a very active role in our children's lives. And, and then, you know, I have my own business, he has his own business and we have a business together. There's just like crazy how I don't even know how we get to the end of the week and Mm -hmm. (laughs) most of the balls stay in the air. (laughs) Yeah. So, so there's a lot and, you know, I, I think we do a pretty, I think we do a really good job of it. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that. And I love that it too, right. It it also can come up easily that we need to be the same in the, well, you connect with your other partner intellectually and I'm going to make things up that I don't know, but right. You're like, well, you two always play Scrabble together. We've never played Scrabble. It's like, you hate Scrabble. You you don't even right. like words. So why would we do that? Well, you're doing it with her, so we should do it together. And so there's that draw to like match. The quid pro quo is so strong when you're yeah when you're coming up against lots of these feelings of you know whatever jealousy, insecurity, and and I think too to square them up with your experience of every partner's ever left that I've ever had has left me. 
So if, it feels like, of course, that would be injected in there, that that draw, that fear. Yeah. And, you know, I think one of the things that helped me with what you were saying about, you know, this like quid pro quo, like if you like my husband's, you know, dream vacation, one of his dream vacations is like going to London and going to a museum and spending days there and reading all the plaques. And I'm just like, I, that would be really hard for me. And his other partner is like, oh my God, you're like, that's my dream, you know, vacation too. And I could look at that and say, well, now I feel less than because I'm not able to show up in his life in that way. Or what has helped me is to say, but how do I show up? That is like so uniquely me that really works with our relationship. That is something maybe he doesn't get from his other partner. And if I can know what that is, acknowledge and really embrace that, then I find my place in his life. And that really helps me feel not like inadequate in some areas. It just helps me feel like we have we have this place where we show up and make our unique relationship and then they can have their unique relationship. And then I can say, I am so excited that you have someone to go to the museum for three days and read all the plaques with. Like, I am so glad. And that's not me. I don't have to be that person. And that's like, yay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love that you say that. And I think what, what is amazing about the, the open relating is that you can still choose to go, right? You could be like, well, I don't really like museums. I don't really want to sit and read all the plaques, but I want to go because I want to be in that with you. Or you can say, well, hey, I don't necessarily want to do all those things. This one, you go off with this partner. Or I'm going to go to London. You go to the museum. I'm going to go to do my thing and we'll see each other. Like Then you open up a world of many, many possibilities. Exactly. And I think that that also creates a more fulfilling life. It's like, it would be okay if he went by himself or I went with him, but like, can we bring even more pleasure and more fulfillment into our lives? Yes, we can. And it doesn't mean that there might not be jealousy when I see them, I don't know, by Big Ben or I don't know, somewhere that I would maybe want to go with him. Like, that's okay too. That happens normal. But there's also like an excitement that he's got this opportunity to have a fuller experience in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And, and it, that at the core though, that takes knowing a lot about yourself. Yeah. And your interests, your desires, your wants, and then communicating them and working with your partner on that. But it starts with yourself, right? That is like my whole, that is, you just summed up my podcast right there. <laughs> That's like my message to the world. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It is all about really owning me and just like, like, like not owning, but wanting to know and have it be the priority to know myself. And I'm always evolving. So the me here in sitting in front of you in 2023 is very different than the me in 2020, the me in 2017, in 20, you know, 2008, when Lewis and I got together, you know, 1997, when I was in my first marriage, like so different. And so it really takes intention and attention to, you know, and I have things that I do that help me stay connected to me. I have just self-care. I just do, I do yoga every day and it's not about the yoga. It's about like, that's the moment I sit on my mat and I go, what's going on with Carrie today? What's happening? What am I feeling? It's just, I know that's, I have that every single day. So I'm really big on self-care and like how to come up with something that you can do every day to connect with who you are because it's, it's changed my life. It's like allowed me the 2017 me had no clue who I was. I was like a over, you know, crispy, uh, mom who was just putting out fires. And the time I spent to get to know myself again was just really powerful. And like, I lead all of my clients through that. That's just like, it's the most important thing to get to know who you are. 
Yeah. And I love that you touched on it, that it changes and can change throughout your life. And so you may feel like you know yourself really well. And then five, 10 years from now, look back and you're like, oh, wait, I lost track of myself and it's changed. Where where am I now? And I got to do this work all over again. Yes. So it's continual, which is, it's a lot of work and and yeah. it's so important. It is a lot of work. I, I always say it's it's not for the faint at heart. I mean, really, if like, but it's so worth it. That's the thing is like, you know, just takes a lot of work, but really worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. I love this whole piece. And I think there's a part in here too, that is simultaneously also really hard work, which is to recognize that Emma is not the same Emma that Emma was when I met her in seventh grade or when we graduated high school or college or those first jobs or like then. And so like the whole time I'm sitting here going, but I'm I'm somebody new today, having to remember that she's not she's not in a museum with a plaque on her, and <laughs> and that's really hard because we're both two people, maybe growing together, maybe growing in different directions. But what can we, what can we co-create with who we are in that that season of life? Yeah, and there are no promises. You know, it's mm-hmm. like. I think, although my divorce was really, really hard, it showed me, I basically faced my biggest fear Mm -hmm. through going through that divorce. And I think everyone gets married wanting to grow together. That's the desire. And even in a long-term relationship, if people grow apart, there is a way to find yourself back together. There absolutely is. And I never define success in relationship as staying together for a long time. Cause I know a lot of couples who are together, older couples, 40 years who are like not happy, who are miserable. I would not call that success. Success to me is, am I growing? Am I evolving? Am I learning? Am I growing as a person? Mm-hmm. And being able to redefine what success in a relationship is has been pretty big for me. Um, and even I think like a one night stand could be a success. You know, if you learned from that and that was a really important interaction, that would, I would call that a successful, you know, interaction relationship. I don't know, that might be a stretch, but, and I think this is just a new way that people are looking at relationships. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I I think that's just really key. Right. And I mean, right. Even if you didn't learn anything, you could go into that saying, all I want is this thing. I need some great sex tonight and I want to wake up tomorrow and go about my day and, and treat this person with love and kindness and respect. Like how that's a success, right? If two people had a great evening together and said, have a great life. We'll never talk again, but thanks for the awesome hookup. Yeah. Everybody seems to win. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I yeah. agree 100%. Yeah. yeah. And maybe that goes into the talking a little bit about the work that you do. And then we have a couple of more questions too, but I'd love to to dive in and, and hear a little bit more about that And as we've been talking about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, <laughs> I, I, you know, I work with relationship diversity and why relationship diversity is so important to me is kind of like I said, is just, I saw myself go through all of these different structures, but even beyond the structures, even like beyond, you know, non-monogamy, polyamory, open relationships, monogamy, and soloamory, which I like better than, you know, I'm a single person, although there's, you know, just, there's a lot of stigmatizing of single, which is a very important and great relationship structure choice, mm-hmm. is that there's just like all of these, like, areas, these really colors, these beautiful like spectrum of colors in between it, that when you know yourself, you can say, well, monogamy feels really good for me, but I also really need and love time on my own. So I actually want to live in a separate place. I want to live in a separate apartment. I love our relationship. I want to be monogamous, but I bring, I want to bring aspects of solo amory into our monogamous relationship. Same can be said of, you know, aspects of non-monogamy into monogamy. It's just like no two people are the same. 
So I've had such a different past than you guys. I've had such a different past than even Lewis or John and in anyone down the street. And so if like a unique person plus a unique person is going to equal a unique relationship. So let's just like let all of the shoulds go and learn how to design the relationship that is in most alignment with you. So that's a lot of what I talk about, but it starts from getting to know yourself, to know what you want, and then learning how to communicate it. And so I have my podcast. I started in 2022, September of 2022. And that's just been such a creative outlet for me. And I just love connecting with people and um, do some coaching here and there. But my theater roots, you know, is all about like creativity. I just want to like be creating things. I like creating meaningful content. And so I'm going to be venturing onto YouTube this year. (laughs) You and I've talked about that a little bit. I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to bring like a video component to my podcast and hopefully be able to engage with people a little bit more, answer questions and, you know, engage with people to help them really just release all those societal expectations and do what they want to do that's in most alignment with who they are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, I, I love that. I think one of the things that I just, I love about these conversations is you you say something like, well, maybe it makes sense for two people to not live together. And I think that immediately, if you were to tell somebody that, yeah, my wife and I, we don't live in the same house. Like what? Oh, you must not, they're not very close, right? You, you have, you immediately draw assumptions versus like, what if the thing that was actually driving a wedge between us was the fact that we shared a roof or shared a bed or what name the thing that we share that we just don't share very well. And we're like, let's remove that pain point and see what happens to our relationship. Yes. Yes. And this is like my, I am so passionate about destigmatizing these kinds of things because there is an instant just assumption. Oh, well, you know, you don't live together. Well, there must be something wrong or like that. How can you guys be in a close relationship if you're not living together? It's just so many judgments that we have been just like solely seeping into our subconscious. And that's something that Lewis and I really had to deal with is like, when we get to maybe a next level of this journey, we really have to ask ourselves, like, what, is this really what we think? Or is this what we've been told to think? And it takes a lot of picking apart because there's like tricky ways, you know, that, that these beliefs come into our subconscious. Yeah. Without a doubt. And, and I, as, as, as you were sharing that, I thought of the flip side, which is in, in this one, I think often gets overlooked, which is we're divorced and we live together. We're divorced mm-hmm. and we have a child and we live together and we co-parent that kid. M- most people, that's not, there's not many divorce lawyers out there going, well, Hey, once you two get a divorce, have you considered maybe staying together in the same home and raising your kid? Like that, that is not in most people's worldview as an option. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. I hope that within 10 years, maybe five, maybe two, um, that, that will, that will really shift. And that is like such my passion is let's stop judging other people and look at where we can have more fulfillment in whatever structure. Like if we both, you know, love our kids and we co-parent really well, why not live in the same place? Like, why not design something that will really work well for us and our family and that feels good to us? Mm-hmm. Um, there's just so much potential if we can just question and let go of the, all this programming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which takes a lot of work to do, but is so important. <laughs> it takes courage too. It takes courage to be it able does. to, you know, address someone who says, why would you ever do that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hear that all the time. I heard, I heard like, why don't you just divorce your husband? If you, you know, are really enjoying this other partner is like, why? Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to, but the programming of monogamy says that can't, those two things can't coexist together. 
Yeah. Yeah. Which leads me to my next question of how how do you navigate relationships with other, others in the world? Like as far as how open are you yeah. with with your dynamic? So before my podcast, <laughs> I went to Lewis and I said, I have to do this podcast because I have so much privilege in my life that I have to speak about this. So that means we need to come out to people. (laughs) And we were like, oh shit. Um, Okay. So we came out to our parents. We came out to our siblings. We came out to our children. We came out to our very good friends and uh, a few other people. We live in a very small town. I'm not necessarily out, but we're not necessarily in. I mean, I guess anyone could listen to anything that I talk about. No, but definitely not something I would go down the streets of my small town, you know, in our little polycule. I don't necessarily feel comfortable with that. And a lot of it is, you know, I want my kids to feel safe in their environment as well. So the the cool thing was, is that all the important people in my life and in our lives, we're so accepting and loving. You know, they know us well enough to know that we never really follow the norms in our lives. We're, we were both in theater, Lewis and I were in theater, and, you know, we always explored things. So they kind of, you know, they weren't surprised, but it also took conversations specifically with our parents who were worried about our relationship and, you know, but most everyone else, even our kids are just like, okay, like that's, you know, I don't necessarily know that like our oldest wants his friends to know, but you know, he's in high school. So I, I, you understand that, but I think that they understand and, and we've all hung out together a few times, not a lot, but they know they, and, and it felt really good for us to come out because we would go to overnights and, in the beginning, you know, they were younger, but still in the beginning, it's like, I'm going to go spend the night with my friend. And it was like, I'd never done that before. And it just didn't feel right for us to have that experience. And so, you know, it was a beautiful conversation we had with them and, and the way that we brought it up. I'm really happy with how we did and they were understanding and thoughtful about it. I love that. You know, and I think sometimes the best reaction is kind of no reaction that just, you know, let's not make this a big deal. And is it great to be celebrated? Yeah, it is. But it's also nice to just feel like what you're doing isn't, isn't worth front page news sometimes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Thank you for sharing. Yeah. And I've, I've loved, I don't know, I've loved this whole conversation and I, I, I know it won't be our last one. So I, I'm like, okay, don't, you don't have to get all the questions in right now. <laughs> um, so I just, I'm really grateful that you came on today, Carrie, and, and for the work that you do as well. So yeah, thank you for that. Is there, is there anything that we haven't like gotten into today that you really wanted to get into? And, and again, we'll definitely be doing this again. So I, I just wanted to give you the opportunity to, to, to air anything else out there that, that you were wanting or needing to. Yeah. Well, thank you both for having me on. It's like I said in the beginning, it's very full circle for me. And I'm really, I feel really honored to be sitting here talking with you all and the work that you have done to normalize non-monogamy from, you know, five years ago is really huge. And I think that it paved the way for me to be able to talk about it in the way that I have. So thank you for that. and. I guess what I would just like to say is that, you know, I, I'm pretty fascinated with generations. Um, I love looking at generations and what happens, you know, in the time period to create the beliefs and the programming of certain generations. And I'm a Gen Xer. So, you know, seven, I was born in 1970. And I'm watching this kind of like from boomer, from my parents through Gen X, through uh, millennials, and I have Gen Zers and Gen Alphas as kids. And I really think that there is this new paradigm of relationships that's forming. And it is more of a choice. It's going from default relationships to intentionality. And although it brings more responsibility for the person in it, it is really 
it's kind it's where relationships are going. I just see that really clearly. And so I would encourage people to really question what they've been brought up believing relationships can be. And maybe just a slight little push against the walls, just slight at first to just question and know that when you do that, there is a potential to live more authentically and more aligned with who you are, which will just bring more fulfillment into your life. So I guess that's what I would like to leave. I love it. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much, Carrie, for everything you you shared. And uh, yeah, we just, we're really grateful. And for all the work that you're putting out there into the world too. um, We appreciate your kind words about our work and we want to give them right back because it takes all of us doing this work and we wouldn't be here without people like you too. So thank thank you. you. And for anybody listening, keep your ears peeled for us on Carrie's show. That's in the works, it's coming soon to a podcast near you. Yeah. Yay. Oh, love it. <laughs> well, thank you, Carrie. You have a wonderful, fantastic day. Stay warm, and we will do the same, and we'll, we'll talk soon. Thank you, guys. Thank you. And we are back. Thank you again, Carrie, for everything that you shared today. It was just a beautiful conversation, and we really got so much out of it as well. Yeah, this is, uh, yeah, as Emma said, absolutely beautiful, and we are so, so grateful. And also, uh, pretty excited to come on your show as well. Yes. Coming up soon, coming soon to a relationship diversity podcast near you. <laughs> Will be Emma and Finn. We got to get that on the books. It's been a wild holiday season, so we'll get there. We'll, we'll get, get there. there. We're ready. We're just trying to, you know, up the anticipation. That's right. A quick reminder: go and check out all of Carrie's work on her website. Links are in the show notes. And with that, a few final reminders: we have our virtual meet and greet for January coming up on this Friday, January twenty-sixth. Also on that, you can sign up on our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Also on the 26th, we have our next Ask Us Anything episode dropping with Finn and Miche. So be on the lookout for that. And if you happen to be in the Bay Area on the 25th, I'm co-hosting a speed dating, speed connecting event. It's basically the in-person version of what we do virtually. I'm co-hosting that with Marie Tween on Thursday, the 25th in Oakland. And you can find out more information about that on Bloom or shoot shoot us an email. Mm-hmm. So I just realized this is a really busy week for me. <laughs> it is a really busy week. <laughs> I should probably get cracking on all these things that have going on later in the week. Well, good thing you have a few days. I do. Yes. Next week, we also have an interview with Jess and Tyler. Come back and listen as well then. And with that, we will see all of you. Have a fantastic rest of your week. We'll see you Friday. And maybe Thursday, and definitely next week. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening.